turn to John chapter 21. We'll read the first 14 verses and you'll see it up on the screen as well. John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. After the resurrection. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. It's still good morning. May God bless the readings. Thank you, Dean. And thank you, Ginny. This is one of my favorite songs. His promise, he always fulfills his promises, right? I... uh, want to uh, study with you. We didn't have Bible study, Vince, last week, and I know you missed that. And we're going to have some a study of the Word today. And uh, I want to give a title to my uh, little discourse this uh, morning. The title is Breakfast with Jesus. You like that? How would you like that? Okay, our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus, is seen here with the verses that Dean read to us, closing at the closing of the Gospel of John. He was looking at seven of his disciples there. There were seven. And he had in mind, of course, and in his heart, the other Four, because they were 11 at that time. Uh, He was looking at them feeble, somehow discouraged, and a little bit 
confused about the happenings. Because this is about, historians tell us this happened about like 30 days after his resurrection. It could be less, it could be a little bit more, but not. it's still fresh in their mind. He's following their path and presenting himself in various ways. And as the Bible says, this was the third time that he visits with them. He knows what they went through. And in his loving way, wanted to encourage them, dissipate their fears and doubts, hush them completely forever and mend their sad and broken hearts. He wanted to assure them that uh, now he is meeting with them, with them to fulfill all their needs. He wanted to let them know, I am he who, uh, who was with you. I want to strengthen your faith. And without them knowing, he was prepar- preparing them for a great mission ahead. Uh, let us look at the incident together and study a little bit the word of God. Uh, you might say, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to back, go back to my occupation. He was uh, nevertheless a little bit discouraged. Though he met with the Lord, but he's never had an encounter with him one on one. He met him in the upper room where Thomas was. He met them at another time, but he never had a talk with him. Thomas, Nathaniel, all the rest, the seven of them, they all came and said, I'm going fishing. Being a leader by nature, uh, six of them said, we're going with you. We, we need to do. And I, uh, I do not blame them. They, they wanted to go and uh, being their occupation, catch some fish and sell it in the market. Uh, you can think of something else. You, that's fine. It's open. All right. And uh, after all, what were they? Fishermen, right? They were fishermen. And they went and toiled all night long and toiled. And you know, fishing, I lived by uh, fishing villages. They go fishing at night. And they toiled all night there, all night. And early in the morning, they were coming back tired, exhausted. They couldn't get anything. Here's someone early at dawn at the shore of the lake of Tiberias, which is the lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. Hey, children, did you catch anything? I want you to stop with me at the word children. I mean, our Lord and Savior. 100 yards. So he had his loudspeakers ready. He had... uh, all the people, right? So they can hear him, right? Exactly. All the, all the electronic devices so they can hear him. <laughs> who is he, the one who is saying children? Jesus himself. He doesn't need any loudspeakers. He can speak from heaven. We can hear him down here. He can utter one word and then our hearts tremble and shiver. He is there, the God of Almighty who created everything. Children. And you can tell uh, from his part and point of view, regardless of what happened to them, how they were dispersed, how they went and hid themselves 
uh, their faith was shattered. They had problems uh, galore. Yet, they still are his children. They still are his children. And today, I want to use this word. Regardless where you are in your relationship with God, once a child of God, you're forever a child of God. Can you say amen to that? So, children, huh? there's some man there on the seashore. He's calling us. He's calling us. And uh, I wonder who's that. Children, do you have anything to eat? Someone who needs food. All right? They might have said that. I wish we caught something we could have given him. We're empty-handed. Did you catch a shit? Nothing. Well, why don't you throw your net on the right side of the boat? Two things. Another point I want to bring to your attention. Who recognized that it was the Lord? He said, you know, folks, six of them, this is the Lord. Who was the one? We read it. Come on. John. John. Who was the one? This is the Lord. I know his voice. Let me tell you one thing. If you were about 100 yards in the sea, and your dad calls you from the shore. Would you recognize his voice or not? And your mother calls you and says, Mom, this is mom. This is dad calling. And why was it John only who recognized that? You see, I told you, this Bible study. Vince, you're going to be happy. I hope so. Who's that? John, how did you recognize it is, it is the Lord? He said it. Well, because John... In one word, there's no quiz nor test, was close to the Lord. When you're close to your dad, you will know every move he makes. And you know when he jokes with you, we know when he's serious, you know when he wants to take you out to play ball, we know when he wants to take you out for... But you know what? You know your dad. I said, I know Jesus. This is the Lord. Why? Because he was so close to him. And folks, for our benefits this morning, when we walk close with the Lord, we will hear even his whispers. When our heart is right with the Lord, we will hear his voice and whatever he tells us what we do. And that was, when I was studying this, this attracted me a lot. Well, his, and then John, John, oh, thank God for him. He was totally different. He did not forsake the Lord even in his, in his darkest hour. While all, what happened? All the disciples left him. They went and hid. John was found taking care of Jesus' mother at the feet of the cross. It's a fact. Because when Jesus, before he gave up the ghost, what did he tell? Who he addressed? He addressed John. He says, this is your mother. Take care of her. He wasn't worried. He did not care. Let them take me. If they want to crucify me, they crucify me. I identify myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he walked with him even to the feet of the cross. And there he heard that the Lord gave him the greatest commission. Take care. Of my mother. Take care of Mary. She treat her like your mother. 
And you know, according to the historians, he took care of her all the days of his life. Until they took him to the isle, they banished him to the isle of Patmos. And what a blessing it was. What a visit it was to that island for all of us and him included. He knew because he was so close to the Lord. And I pray this morning, soon it be afternoon, it is. I pray this afternoon that we will walk close to the Lord, all of us. That everyone here is a Christian, is a born again believer. And as true Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to walk close to Him. There is no way we can live our lives and pretend to be Christians and hear the voice of the Lord. No way. You cannot hear his voice unless you are in tune with him. Then you hear him whisper and the Holy Spirit in your heart will speak to you and uplift you and help you. Children, they were still his children. He will not deny them. He saved them once and it's forever. Another one I want you to notice. He told them to throw the net on the right side of the boat. Right? What happened? They threw it. Right? What's the parallel of throwing the net on the right hand of the boat? I would say obedience. Is anyone with me on that? Are you with me on that? Obedience, right? When the Lord speaks, do we obey? And speaking to the church today, when the Lord speaks, do we obey? When he says, do this, Adol, do we have... Uh, but, but, but I know better. I have so many times I say, this is not the way to do it. Who am I to argue with the Lord? He created me. He knows the results before I started. Especially... He has me and he gave me, he gave me his word. He gave me a, a, a good manual to live by. And sometimes I say, this, oh well, this was written for people 2,000 years ago. And it doesn't apply to the 21st century. Wrong. That reminds me of Mike. He got a manual for his old green Volkswagen. And he told us the story. That he was doing some mechanical work on it. And he thought that I will, I will do it my way. And everything went wrong. Until he went back to the, what? Owner's manual, what we call. And how many times you and I, I many, many times. I, I wanted to put a bike for my son when he was three, four years old. I, I went, I went the right, the, my way. It didn't work. We have to redo. Throw it on the right side. And most probably, I mean, if Peter was still the same like before, he would say, but, but, uh, uh, who is he who's telling us? We know. We are fishermen. We know where the fish is. All night long we've been toiling. We've been working so hard. What's the difference? It's two yards difference between the right side of the boat and the left side of the boat. Why does he want us to throw it on the right side of the boat? How does he know about fishing? Ah, Turhan, you know about fishing. I don't. How does he know? 
The one who created the sea can put the fish anywhere he wants them to be. The one who created you and me knows the consequences before we even make, take a step. When I was looking at this, says, and thank God that Peter learned his lesson. Peter was broken completely, broken hearted, and he was just ashamed of himself. And they looked at him most probably. What do you do, Peter? He says, throw it. This man said, throw it. He didn't know it was the Lord even. Throw it. But John said, let's throw it. They threw it. It didn't take much time to catch 153 big fish. Obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. They obeyed. They didn't catch 10 fish. They didn't catch uh, 50 fish. 153. So they can go and sell it and make money and live by it as long as God allows them to work there. Isn't that good? And when God says something, He knows. He knows very well what's going to happen. When God gives you, say, orders or suggests to you to do something, and whether through the speaker, whether through counsel, whether through the Bible, whether through your wife, whether through your husband, and the Lord is using them, listen to them, and do it. And guess what? Blessings comes afterward. It doesn't make sense, but since when everything we do makes sense to God? So many things. We think this is, this is not, I don't think it's going to work. Trust me. If God orders it, it is going to work. And the net was not made for 153 big fishes. It was made for a little catch. 153. And what happened to the net? It broke, huh? It didn't break. It didn't. It wasn't torn. Why? When God does something, He does it completely and fully. I thought they got a blessing before they reached there. But when John said, it, was, it is the Lord, who jumped first? Who jumped first? Peter. Oh, Peter wanted to prove himself. Peter couldn't wait to have a one-on-one with the Lord. Peter repented already, which we shall see, discuss a little bit in about ten minutes. And he just threw himself into the water. He didn't wait till they just came into the shore and started swimming and beat them all to get to the to see that it is Jesus indeed. They reached the shore. They reached the shore. What did they see? Another point for you. They saw a charcoal fire burning. It was early in the morning. It was still cold on that lake. Probably windy. And. Oh say. Oh. 
we're shivering. What a wonderful way to find fire so we can warm our bodies. We can get some warmth. And they were toiling all night. And there's also something. And fish placed on that charcoal and some bread. There's a lot here to talk about. Where did Jesus get the fish? This is, you tell me, oh, but they caught 153 fishes. Those fishes did not even reach there, okay? They did not clean them yet. Where did he get the fish? It's for you. You, you, just, you just think about it. Just think about it. Who's barbecuing? The Lord Jesus Christ. He has a brand new Weber there. On gas. Is that what he had? He built something. He didn't have to build it. Taking, taking him three, four days or one week to build it. He says, be it. The one who created heaven and earth. Where did he get the fish? Uh, let me remind you for one, uh, a little bit. When there were 5,000 sitting and they came to him, he says... They want to eat. We don't have any. How many fishes do we have? How many did they have? Five fishes and two loaves of bread? Or vice versa? Whatever. Well, it doesn't matter. Even if they had ten loaves of bread. We have five thousand. We need to feed them. He said, okay. He blessed it. And he started making fish. He created. He had the best fish. Maybe salmon. Bass. Whatever it is. Whatever found. They found a great breakfast. A breakfast with Jesus. Oh, I wish I were there. I tell you, how did he marinate this fish? We will know later, you barbecuers. How did he, where did he get it from? We, you, we will ask him when we get there. How did it taste? I think the best tasting fish that ever been cooked in the world. This is your God. This is our God. This is how he takes care of us. He wanted to feed them. He wanted to give them food and nourishment. He knew they didn't have anything. They never thought that's going to toil all night long. They have nothing. He said, come, warm your bodies first. Eat bread and eat fish. And then, if we need to talk, we'll talk. Which they needed. He is the God. And I can imagine Peter sitting in front. It's gone. My, my notes are gone. Believe me. Okay. I'm gone. It's, I'm not following the notes properly. As I put them. Okay. Peter sitting in front of the fire. And warming himself. And suddenly I can see. Imagine with me. Tears coming down. He remembered the fire. He was sitting around. It broke my heart when I thought about it. And Jesus was being mocked, ridiculed, beaten, broken down, left by his most beloved friends, by his disciples, and Peter warming himself with the world. Peter warming himself in the fire of the world. Dear Christian, dear Christian, the fire of the world burns you. It burned Peter. 
But the fire that Jesus builds warms you because it warmed him there. There's a totally different fire when you are around Jesus. There's the fire of the Holy Spirit that speaks to your heart, that burns all the chaff and keeps the good things in your heart, that builds you, that warms you, that uplifts you, that cares for you. And unlike the fire of the world, outside the world, the world burns you. It's there to burn you. It's there to hurt you and leaves you dry. Leaves you cold out there. Oh, I can see him looking there and crying. How did I do it? How did I do that? And here he prepares a banquet for me. And the children of Israel of all says, Can God prepare a banquet in the wilderness? Can God? He was reminding them what was written. Yes, I can. I will pour upon you all the fish, all the manna you want, and all the birds you want, so you can eat meat and manna. And I can put the fish in front of you even before you touch your fish. And then, because they were looking and saying and eating and enjoying it, he says, well, why don't you bring some of your fish so we can barbecue it too? It's in the Bible. Forget my imagination and you. It's in the Bible. So he said, okay, bring some of your fish. And we will eat it all together. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. Wherever we are, how far we are, how empty we are, how low we become, how and run away from him, sitting by the fire of the world, trying to try the world, what it offers. Maybe it offers a better deal for me. Okay, even I say, well, I want to try another church. Maybe the other church can uplift me more. Let me tell you one thing. Where God is, is where you belong. And where God has placed you, he will feed you and take care of you and spread a banquet before you. I bet you, if you and I and all of us were there at that breakfast table, we would say, I have not tasted any breakfast like this one. Oh, I wish I was there. Amidst all this, and the disciples marveling, marveling, he said, Peter, this is the art of restoration. This is the art of restoration. Peter, can I talk to you for a minute? Brought tears to my eyes. That the one who denied him, the one who couldn't look in his face afterwards, but we thank God he repented. And God will deal with a repentant Christian. God loves a repentant Christian. Dear Christians, if you, in your mind, in your heart, in your life, went away from Christ, and you have repented wholeheartedly, and asked Jesus to forgive you, he will not leave you in the dump. He will lift you up. He will go there and looks at you, and he says, here's my hand. And lifts you up. And Peter, can we talk? Peter, okay, he was sweating bullets then. Can we talk? now? he's going to read me the act. He caught me one on one. Can we talk? 
Yes. Peter, is this the way you treat me when I was there taking the beatings for you? Is this the way you deal with someone who loved you and recruited you and made you a fisher of man instead of normal fisherman? Did he say that? Did Jesus say these things? Do you find them in the Bible? Do you find him? Say, Peter, I told you. Don't open your mouth. Did he, did he show him? Did he do this to him? Thank God. Thank God. That's not, that's, it's not me or some of us that dealing with Peter. You know, if you, if you let the world deal with Peter, they would have crucified Peter. But Jesus came to him. Peter? Yes. Do you love me? Is that all you want to tell me? Is this what you have on me? Do you love me? If you were Peter, what would have happened to you? Tell me. I think Peter was melting. If he was iron, he would have been melting in front of Jesus. Do you love me? And you know what? He did not call him only Peter. This is another point. Put it in your Bible. Peter, son of John. Oh, oh, oh. How these words, it fell on him like lead. You know why? In John chapter 1, when he first met Peter and his brother brought him in, he looked at him, he said, Peter, son of John, follow me. That was three years ago. How did you know his father? How did you know the name was father? Then we're dealing with God, right? We're dealing with God. Peter, and you know, in the, in the old days, in the Middle East, when you go, I used to go to the village where my dad came from. I used to tell them, I am Adel, the son of Anthony. Oh, you are. You are. And he tells, Peter said, this is for an endearment word. When he, when he recruited him to be a disciple, he told him, Peter, son of John. Oh. And now, he called, read your Bible. Read your, look at the verse. Verse 15. Simon, son of John. The same. Peter, you are the same. I am reinstating you. You are the one I chose you. You are the disciple. I want you to carry my name to the world. Peter, son of John, do you love me? A word of endearment. My love to you is the same. You have changed. I did not change. Do we have an unchanging God? Do we change? Yes, we do. Do we falter and fall? Yes, we do. Do we backslide? 
Don't say no. Yes, we do. Do we fall into sin? Yes, we do. What? Where does it? He says, I am today. Like yesterday. Today and forever. We worship an unchanging God. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ. And if there's one or two of you that says, I am Peter. I am like him. I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Jesus loves you. And you're still his child. Provided you repent in your heart. And you say, Lord, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Peter, son of John, again. And I, I wish I can catch that tone, he said it. Peter, the son of John. Do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. Then, the first thing he told him, what? Shepherd my, my lambs, my lambs. Okay, another point. Put it down. The lambs are the young ones. The lambs are the newly born lambies, we call them. On the second floor of this building, the end of this building, thank God for this building, it's big and large, I hope we fill it. The right side, the last classroom, there's a classroom. What is it called? Lammy's room. And who goes in there? The lambs, the little lambs. The little three, four years old, five years, I don't know. Okay. I call upon you, elders of this church and Sunday school teachers, do not forget the children of this church. Teach them the precepts of God. And he was telling him, Peter, you take care of the lambs and then you take care of the sheep. And we need to take care of our children. We need to take care of the little ones. Because they are the future. When we started this church, many of the little ones are deacons in the church here. And are working here. And I can see two young men started serving the Lord in this church at the age of 10 or 12. And if I name them, not I'm not saying because... I'm preferring them or... No, may God bless them. There is TJ and there is Mason, I believe. Wesley? Wesley. They, the moment the meeting is over, Jim, Jim um, Hyde told me, he says, I had a, a, a very, very urgent request from two young children. I said, who are they? What do they want? He said, they want, they want to run... The Hoovers, what do we call them? The vacuum cleaners. They want, they want to clean the room. I said, these two guys? Yes, yes. I said, give it to them. He said, they are. So on Wednesday, when I left here, I heard the vacuum cleaners going. And here's what, with them. They're doing vacuum cleaners. They're cleaning. Who taught them? They saw in the church. Take care of them, Jim. Take care of them. You Sunday school teachers. Take care of them, elders. These are the future. And I thank God for them. And I hope I see more. More imitating the older ones. They want it to be like the older ones. They want to start now. When to start is to start now. 
When to bring your children to church? It's to start now. You know, after two or three months, when the doctors let you bring them, bring them to church. Let them attend church. He says, take care of my lambs. I'm done. We'll continue next week, I guess. Take care. And I, I have some statistics for you. Some statistics. With regards to feed my lambs. I read the following statistic. It's a statistic 2000. You see, it says, any parents who faithfully attend the church and bring their children to church, 93% of the kids remain faithful. 93. On the contrary, where both parents are infrequently attending the church, you will be amazed to see how much it drops. 6% of the children follow God later on. From 93 to 6. We have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. The Lord gave us a responsibility. Feed my lambs. Parents feed them at home. Sunday school feed them at church. Elders feed them when you serve the Lord from behind the pulpit. And preachers we should insist on. Don't say they are not mature enough. No. They are a soul that God has placed into our hands. Let's take care of them. Do you want a proof? Forget statistics. Open your Bibles. This is why I insist to Bible. Open your Bibles to the Judges, chapter 2. I'll end with this. Joshua died in verse 6, but for the sake of time, verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed them, and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger, so they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and the Ashtaroth. What happened? What happened? They neglected their children. They neglected their children. And they started worshipping idols. What happened to the new generation? They started worshipping idols. We are called upon by the Lord Jesus Christ to feed the lambs. What are you feeding your children? What are you feeding the lambs? Sunday school teachers. This is a big responsibility. May God bless you. And strengthen you. And put this in your heart. 
I have a responsibility for the men and women of the future. And how about Peter? After he cried and he told the Lord, Lord, you know everything. The Lord told him two words. Follow me. Follow me. Are we following the Lord? Are we following him? In everything in our lives. Are we following him or are we following ourselves? We're following our forefathers. Whatever. We're following our instincts. We're following our desires. Are we? Or we're following the Lord. Let us go. I blindly want to follow the Lord. And if there's someone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And you ask me, Adol, how can I follow the Lord? I said, first of all, what Peter did, repent. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, forgive me. And I believe in your death on the cross of Calvary. I believe in your resurrection. I believe you can save sinners such as I. And I want to follow you. And then he will say, well done. Follow me. And I will take care of you until the end of the ages. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayers. Our Father, we approach you this afternoon with awe. How much you have loved us. And when Jesus was here, he showed us his heart. How much he forgave. And how much he loved. May you put in our hearts such love. And may we follow you, Lord. And if there's someone here, a person who would love to follow you, open their hearts. Changed this person's life. And a reminder that in his name, in Jesus' name, there's great salvation and great hope. And final, eternal life. Take our hearts, take our lives. Help us, Lord, to walk humbly before you to honor you and to live in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen.